The Penn State Nittany Lions are the national champions. Welcome back to Dear Old State, where we are refreshed after Penn State's off week and ready for Big Ten play. I am Matt Brown, college football editor at The Athletic, and I am joined, as always, by Penn State writer Audrey Snyder, who spent the weekend at Lambeau Field instead of Beaver Stadium. Hope it was a good weekend, Audrey. Definitely a much nicer upgrade, Matt. Uh, it's, It's always good when you get to go to a game and just be a fan of something. I think, you know, this business, you kind of... You, you don't get to be a fan of something, and that was easy for me because, as I said before on here, I didn't grow up on college football, so it's easy to be objective. Uh, but essentially, a lot of the the people are fine readers. The, I appreciate you guys and uh, your support and what we do at The Athletic, but sometimes, you know, like our mailbag last week, Matt, where it was all these questions and, you know, is the world burning as Penn State's 3-0? <laughs> but I get to be that person for the Packers, so it's a great hey, change they won. of pace. Yeah. They won. Congratulations. They won. Great atmosphere. Uh, really fun weekend. So I got back super late yeah, Monday night. Things get serious this weekend, though, because your Packers are playing my Eagles, so it gets a Thursday little, little night. dicey now here. I'm already finding a bar in College Park to watch at, so... Uh, if anyone has any suggestions, I know there'll be a few other Penn State writers. Uh, but still, Matt, I usually don't watch a lot of games in public. Um, for the same reason a lot of Penn State fans, I'm sure, like the in-home viewing experience. Uh, so we're going to have to see how Thursday night goes. I don't know if I want to watch that Eagles game in public, too, the way things have gone. So Yeah, I am uh, looking forward to that because, as we know, Matt, it's always, especially in the NFL, I mean, when you've got trained athletes, like we can – you know, we can talk about drop passes all we want with college players, but sometimes we're like, oh, 18 to 22. But for whatever league, kids, yeah, yeah. It's different. <laughs> once they're getting those paychecks, it's like, man, you got to catch every single ball, you know? So, yeah, good week of NFL coming up for sure. So Penn State is 3-0, and and coming off of what we kind of agreed upon was a well-timed off week in a year in which they get two off weeks because of the way the schedule sets up. Kind of a dividing line between... Big Ten play and non-conference play. And, you know, I think this podcast now coming out of the off week, we're going to use to kind of reset things, look ahead, see how things have changed, how things have not changed about what we think is going to happen. Talk about the Big Ten a little bit. But so what happened at Penn State during the off week? What was Penn State up to? How did how, how have things been different for mm-hmm. the players and coaches this week? Not only an off week, but then preparing for another weird Friday night game, which they got a taste of last year. Which we know uh, James Franklin hates, and I'm sure we'll hear plenty about this Friday night game. Uh, We're recording this Tuesday morning. We'll hear from James Franklin Tuesday afternoon for his weekly news conference. He only gets to talk to us once this week, so I'm sure he's pretty happy about that. Um, All part of the, the bumped up schedule, so... Penn State practiced on Saturday, which obviously they typically don't, of course, because of a game. Practiced Saturday, then they were off Sunday, and then they jumped back into practice Monday. So, I mean, this wasn't one of those bye weekends where players like went home and did all that kind of stuff just because of the Friday night game. Um, pretty much unless you were super close around here, uh, you were going to stay put. So, you know, an off weekend in a sense that the players had a little more time to breathe, but pretty much I'm sure they just probably hung out around here. But you know, Matt, you look at it and like we said, well-timed by week, I think they probably did a lot of scoreboard watching like we did just, you know, as people who are interested in college football, you want to watch the games, you want to see how the other teams are doing. Um, Maybe it's a little bit of a kind of a pre-scouting opportunity for some of these guys when they sit down to watch a game, because I'm sure they don't necessarily watch games the same way that we do. Uh, a lot of players, whenever you ask them, they always say, oh, it's weird. You know, you don't kind of get that all 22 view and that sort of thing um, when you're watching a game on TV. So 
Not a whole heck of a lot that came out of here, Matt. I mean, it was pretty much, you know, they're pretty much as healthy as they possibly could have been, I think, um, going into that bye week. We'll see if there's any update on Daniel George this week. Who uh, I think that is a good play. point about the first three weeks and all of the complaints. That was a huge thing is, yeah, I mean, yes, Daniel George is banged up. Yeah. And not to diminish that, but, like, they, they have receivers. It's not like, you know, a season-changing injury at this point. And they really did seem to. I mean, we, they don't talk about injuries, but as far as we know, they seem to have gotten through relatively healthy, but we'll see. Yeah, so unless there's something crazy going on behind the scenes, um, it seems like everything is, is pretty good there. So, you know, I, I think just a chance to kind of reset. And I think what a lot of people might forget, too, is like, this season essentially has already been going on for basically two months. You know, you look at camp keeps starting earlier and earlier every year. So yes, camps are different than they used to be, but still you're at this point now, you're pretty much two months into the thick of it. So good chance to, uh, to kind of hit pause. And it was a good weekend for Penn state. Honestly, I mean, yeah. this was if, if, Penn, if Penn state players were sitting around watching the games this week, uh, it was as good as you can get for Penn state and it's non-conference schedule. Idaho, went out and beat Eastern Washington, which is an FCS power and consistently has beaten, or a few times has beaten Pac-12 teams in recent years. So that's a good win for Idaho. Then Buffalo, which <laughs> went out and lost to Liberty the week after losing to Penn State, uh, shockingly blew out Temple at home this week. 38 to 22, relatively speaking, blew out. Uh, Buffalo scored 24 points in that second quarter, ended up winning 38 to 22. And even more notable, just because the previous week, Temple beat Maryland. So... Pretty impressive win for Buffalo and makes Penn State fans, I think, feel a little bit better about what happened in the first half a couple weeks ago. <laughs> they, should feel, they should feel a little better after that, for sure. And then, more importantly, Pitt. How about the Pitt Panthers? They host UC, you know, the week after a demoralizing loss to Penn State that they could have won that game, uh, <laughs> given their red zone opportunities. <laughs> and they go, they get UCF at home. They get up big early. They blow the lead. And then they come back and win the game. And that's UCF's first regular season loss since 2016. Pitt has just had a reputation for these, you know, mediocre seasons, but random wins over really good teams. You know, they beat Miami a couple years ago. They beat Clemson. And they beat Penn State in the Big Ten Championship season. It's the and Narduzzi effect. They beat UCF. So, you know, Pitt still has that opening loss to Virginia as well, which was pretty ugly, but Virginia is a top 25 team right now. But... Given that Penn State, you know, it was a frustrating game against Pitt, and then Pitt turns around and beats UCF, which was number 15, has been the back-to-back major bowl games, back-to-back undefeated regular seasons. That's to make you feel a little bit better about what happens uh, on September 14th in Happy Valley. Yeah, I mean, and this is, I think, what always, what I think always makes the bye weekend so interesting is you get a chance to actually uh, watch, especially in my case, like you see these other teams and you get to watch a full game, which so much in this business, you miss so many other games because you're, you know, you're driving over to the stadium, you're setting up, you're watching the yep. team arrive, you're watching warmups, you're writing four five, six hours. Not everybody has four screens in their office going for 14 hours like me. I'm a weird <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't all have that, Matt. So, <laughs> you know, to get a chance to watch that, um, and I'll get into the game that I was watching here in a little bit, um, but... I don't think things could have broken really any better for Penn State than they did during that weekend. And as much as we've talked about and kind of picked apart this Penn State team, the thing that we kept coming back to was, okay, it hasn't been pretty, but they're 3-0. and And, you know, you take the wins however you can get them. And, and everybody has problems. Outside absolutely. of like the top six, everybody has problems. And we saw that in the Big Ten, except maybe Wisconsin now. 
does not have as many problems as we thought, but Penn State doesn't play Wisconsin the regular season. Right. And Matt, is it, is it time for our discussion on Michigan yet? Are we there? I think we are there. We are there. That was that was probably the most notable result <laughs> of teams that Penn State has not yet played. Uh, but in terms of changing our perception of the way the season could go in the Big Ten East, uh, that was the one that most changed, I think, what everybody thought about the Big Ten going into the year. Yeah, so I was really looking forward to watching that game just because, like I said, we don't get to watch a whole heck of a lot of games uh, that aren't Penn State. So, And you were in Wisconsin? Yes, yeah, so I got out <laughs> to Green Bay on Friday and was like, okay, like I got to find a good bar to watch this, which, like, all of your bars in Green Bay, um, because it's, you know, just small town, the stadium pops out of nowhere. Like everything there is either Packers or Badgers or Brewers. Like that's it. So I was like, oh, won't have a problem finding a bar. So go to a bar, which I remember the night before that game started 11 o'clock out there <laughs> instead of noon. Yes. Uh, so like get to a bar at like 1030 in the morning, uh, settle in and man there's already Badgers fans kind of coming out of the woodworks you know we're talking like the red and white overalls like you see a lot of Iowa fans wear a lot of Packers fans wear them like Midwest staple right so these people are like loving this so I get to this fantastic sports bar it's like right near my hotel uh massive bar with like huge indoor seating outdoor seating two layers go upstairs Matt they've got 12 TVs like 12 big TVs all lined up together, uh, getting ready to turn on the Wisconsin game. And I'm like, oh, this is like this is what I want to watch, you know, 12, 12 TVs with it. Uh, we, you know that because we've been to quite a few sports bars in State College, probably all of them. Um, one of my main gripes, one of my reasons I can't watch games out in public is I hate going to a place that will not turn on the sound for the game. Um, <laughs> drives me crazy. But this place, because clearly they're a sports bar and sports bars should have the sound for their games have the sound on, awesome atmosphere. You got Lambeau Field behind you. It's like a 75-degree day. Uh, Great Bloody Marys, awesome spotted cow beer, which is what you'd expect. So watching that game, Matt, (laughs) one, these fans absolutely love Wisconsin fans to see themselves some fullbacks. Uh, And they just came out, and, you know, it was so Wisconsin where they're like, you know what, we know we're going to run the ball, and until you can stop it, we're just going to keep running it down your throat. And... That's exactly what they did. And, you know, I'm sitting there. There's like maybe two or three Michigan fans in this whole place. It's packed. Um, Awesome, like awesome atmosphere. But I'm just sitting there thinking like, my gosh, like this Michigan team is a complete disaster. And, you know, we kind of saw that a few weeks ago with Army because we had a chance to watch a lot of that game before the Penn State game. And then you see it again. And I was like, okay, I, you know, I picked Penn State to go eight and four with, the whiteout game kind of being that toss-up because I said I hate to pick against Penn State in a whiteout uh, because it's such a charged atmosphere. But now you look at Michigan, and my God, they look terrible. I'm stunned. I mean, look, I, I bought in. I I was uh, tricked in the preseason. I was one of the people mm-hmm. who bought into Michigan. I had them number seven in my – I'm an AP voter. Had them number seven. Thought they might win the Big Ten this year. Because I, I think in some respects, like, the criticism of Michigan has been overblown in that – Three of the past four years, they finished in the AP Top 14. They were literally an inch from going to the playoff in 2016. If they would have beat Ohio yeah. State, Penn State would not have won the Big Ten. And so it's not like they've been bad. You know, the, the, they've been certainly elevated far above what they were under Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke. But then the legit criticism is, okay, the offense has been inconsistent and they've not won big games, you know, like the Ohio, especially against Ohio State, but they've struggled against their main rivals. Um, and... 
now, like, they just got destroyed at the line of scrimmage. Michigan ran 19 times for 40 yards. Wisconsin ran 57 times for 359 yards and five <laughs> touchdowns. So Michigan's it's quarterback crazy. play has been really uneven. Their veteran offensive line has been a huge disappointment. And, uh, you know, Penn State fans are particularly interested in what Josh Gaddis is doing with that offense. But right now it's a mess. They have no idea what they want to be. And, you know, there's still time to fix it. It's not like, again, it's not like there's no talent on that team. They've recruited well. You know, they have good receivers. Their offensive line should have potential. Uh, their defense should have potential. But right now, Michigan looks like a mess. You know, after that Army game, I bailed and moved Michigan from number seven. I think I had them then to 18 or 19. And now they're off my ballot because at this point, there's no no indication that they're a top 25 team to this point. So I, I think we'll get into it. We're going to go game by game again to, to kind of reset the year. But it definitely looks more and more like a likely Penn State win in that whiteout game on October 19th. Yeah, and like you said, Matt, the Josh Gaddis interest level from Penn State fans, that's not going to fade. Um, I, yeah, there's no – I feel like there's no identity to that Michigan offense right now. Yeah. And reading the stories off the game um, from our colleagues at The Athletic, you know, I was looking, looking at what they're saying, what they're reading, and, you know, Jim Harbaugh afterward, it was like, yeah, they were thoroughly outcoached, like, yeah, anybody watching that game could have told you that, you know? I mean, it was, I thought it was it was a very honest admission. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, that definitely is going to change things, certainly in my mind for Penn State. So, okay, so, well, let's reset things now. We're going to get into our Big Ten preview. It's kind of a nice stopping point. We had three non-conference games. Penn State is 3-0. Some good and bad, for sure, in those three games. But again, 3-0 nonetheless. And a lot of teams can't say that. So, what do we, what do we think we learned about Penn State in non-conference play? Has anything changed from when we talked did a preseason preview about a month ago? Has anything changed from then to now that affects how you think about this season? You know, I was all aboard the the defensive end hype train that Penn State started in the spring, uh, and I still think they're going to be really good. But they were pretty much a letdown in non-conference play. James Franklin's even said as much. You know, the pass rush wasn't consistent. So that to me was a bit of a letdown, but Matt, in terms of a positive, since we're always looking for the sunny side of things here on Dear Old State, um, I thought it's been really good for Penn State, really smart for Penn State, that they're using KJ Hamler in a variety of ways, which is what they said they were going to do, because so many times last year we heard them say, oh, we have to get KJ more involved, we got to find ways to get the ball in his hands, this and that, and then they never would do it. But this year they're actually doing that. So I think that's good. Um but like I said, yeah, they seem yeah. to have a clear preference to want to feed him the ball, which again, it's heard the second half of last year. It felt like at times they just weren't doing that enough. Mm-hmm. Citrus and, bowl, and some, especially it's, it's, it's swung the other way to this point where it's like, they're forcing it to him at times. Like, you know, the downfield shots, you know, I think Clifford's clearly looking for him, and sometimes it's been too much cause it's not working, but you know, Clifford's also a young quarterback who's still trying to get better at seeing the field, making the right reads, making the right decisions. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to, I don't want to say necessarily it's going to sort itself out because we'll, you know, the jury's still out on whether how Clifford will develop this year. But I think there is a good effort at least to get Hamler the ball in different ways. And they need to do that because, yeah, he is without question their most proven and electrifying playmaker. Oh, and you know what, Matt, before we forgot, because I was thinking Hamler special teams. I mean, eventually he's going to break one in the third phase um, if somebody 
stupidly kicks to him, that's going to happen. But Jordan Stout. Most pleasant. Yeah, I was going to say, my most pleasant surprise is the kickoff specialist and long field goal specialist, which is a weird thing to say, but it's true. Jordan Stout has been ridiculous. So We should have a whole episode dedicated to Jordan Stout's success this year, man. (laughs) When you're in a 17-10 game, uh, it makes a difference, especially when you make the longest field goal in Penn State history and when uh, you, well, how many, let's see, touchbacks. A million. 24 out of 25 on touchbacks this year, which is pretty incredible. And just, you know, the consistency. Last year, you know, they'd do something good and then kick the ball out of bounds. Um, So it's just, you know, we haven't seen... We haven't seen special teams miscues at all, really, this year. There's not one off the top of my head, at least. No, I think of, so. definitely credit to Joe Lorig there because yeah. that they they thought going into this year that that was the one area where they could kind of make up the most ground with special teams, and so far through three games, they've definitely done that. Which certainly makes sense because they were really bad last year on special oh, teams, and, and and even with the threat of Hamler and, and some of you know Jonathan Tompkins punt returns, you know it's not like they didn't have some good moments on special teams, but it was just. They were so inconsistent. I mean, even Blake Gilligan, who was a good track record, didn't have a good year last year. And you so. know what, Matt? They haven't had Micah Parsons back there yet to return a kick, and I am totally fine with that. He, you know what I mean? Like, they want him back there I feel like eventually. they need him back there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, if you put him back there eventually as an off-returner, I know they talked a lot about it. They kind of dangled the carrot it. for Micah. Yeah, selfishly, I want to see it, you know, as well. But I... I it's, I think who knows, it's good the guy was have... an incredible running back in high school, too. Like, it's not like he hasn't done it. Like, who knows? Maybe that's a wrinkle that's coming in conference play. We shall see. Yes, they're saving that for Michigan. There's <laughs> <Like a part laughs> the tease. Secondary kick returner, yeah. Um, well, my, I think I'll say for my biggest disappointment, I think the pass rush, it has been inconsistent for sure, and it didn't show up when it needed to against Pitt. And I do give Mark Whipple and Pitt's offense credit for for how they kind of neutralized mm-hmm. Penn State in that game. Although again, they still only scored ten points. But I think the pass rush will be fine. I'm not worried. I am just still a little worried about the running back situation and what they're doing. Like I, yeah. I'm not worried about the talent at running back because even if Ricky Slade, I'm, it doesn't kind of live up to the expectations. Somebody in that backfield is going to. And Noah Kane certainly might. Devin Ford might. Journey Brown might exceed the recruiting expectations based on what we've seen from him so far. So I still really like the talent they have in the backfield. It's just I think we are right to question the usage and how it's going to change. Again, I understand that they've been purposefully rotating guys, trying to get their feet wet, but they also have not followed their, you know, what they've said in that the they're going to use the hot hand. <laughs> we didn't see it again. You know, Pitt was the only game we could really say we didn't see it because the first two games ended up being blowouts in the second half. But the Pitt game was not, and they still didn't really follow that philosophy. And it's just been haphazard you know, no flow, no rhythm on the offense. So I, I think you would think over the off week and as they get into, you know, meaningful conference games that they'll have probably a, a more identifiable plan for what the offense wants to be in the identity. We talked about you Michigan not so. having an yeah. identity. I don't think Penn State <laughs> has really an identity either beyond taking deep shots, which I admire, but it didn't work against Pitt. So, yeah, and you know, what, man, you know that's it's kind of my biggest question. It's just it's it's the running game, but it's just really the flow of the offense as a whole right now. And, and I think we're going to get uh, at least we're going to get a chance to ask some questions this week. Uh, running backs coach Daywan Sider is the assistant that we'll speak with on Thursday. So I'm really curious to pick his brain a little bit about this rotation. And you know, like you mentioned, the, the self-scouting during the bye week. What came of that? Because I asked James Franklin about it uh, after practice last Wednesday. And at that point. Uh, Franklin said they really hadn't done their self-scout yet, but that nobody has really kind of separated themselves in that backfield. So 
maybe you just have four running backs who in their mind, at least maybe three of them for the time being, are kind of on a level playing field, and you don't have that one guy yet. Uh, but yeah, definitely curious to hear from Jaywan Sider on Thursday about those backs, because that's been a really interesting and strange kind of development in my mind. I mean, we Ricky knew Slade all four were going to play. seventh on the team in rushing, which <laughs> who would have ever guessed that? Like he did, you know, they yeah. rotated, but he started the first two games and he's below not only the other three running backs, other three scholarship running backs, but Sean Clifford, Will Levis, and Nick Yuri. Uh, Nick 12 carries for 21 yards so far for Ricky Slade. He does, he has made, he has three catches for 68 yards. So, you know, it's a little bit of value there. He's made a couple of nice plays in the passing game, but they just have not really gotten him going and it just feels like a lot of runs up the middle for nothing because that's kind of a question too is, you know, will the offensive line get more consistent in the running game? And, and really, I mean, they didn't pass protect very well either against Pitt. So I, I yeah. think that's just an ongoing question that seems to be the ongoing question for going on, what, uh, six years now? Yeah, yeah, six years might feel like 20 some days, but yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, I think it just it is what it is, and I did have a chance. Uh, Rashid Walker was on a conference call this morning with reporters and had a chance to talk with, you know, Penn State's left tackle and how's he developing. Because, I mean, he is a young guy. This, you know, this is somebody who we saw last year, thanks to the redshirt rule, um, was able to take that redshirt but appear in four games. And he said, he, you know, he's, he's feeling better that he was out there <laughs> during the season opener and was openly kind of admitting to himself, like, all right, like slow down, breathe a little bit. Like it's this is big time, but relax. And he said once he got into the flow of the game, he felt like you know in some regards practice camp especially was easier because of the defensive ends he was playing against. But yeah, a lot of eyes on this on this offensive line, and it's going to continue to stay that way, Matt, until well, until they continue to successfully string together games, the, which we haven't yeah. seen. The next couple of games, it should be all right. And again, Pitt did a lot of things defensively where, you know, they're they mm-hmm. aggressive. They, even Blitzes. though, I mean, it's concerning because Pitt, you know, has a couple injuries on the defensive line, but they did blitz a lot and their defensive backs who They put a lot of pressure on in their aggressive defense, pretty much played well. Uh, you know, Maryland, Purdue, their defense is not, not as much concern. Purdue does have uh, a little bit of talent up front now. But, you know, they'll really be tested, of course, in that stretch where it's Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, three games in a row. We know those teams have talented defenders, and, you know, that's what everything has been building toward. They do need to win these next two games, but everything's been building toward that series of defenses that they face. And will the offense be ready in time? Um, so, and, and we don't know the answer to that. I, I think they are going to get better on offense over this year, the course of this year. We need to remind ourselves that before the season we said, hey, the offense should be a lot better in November than September. Yep. And it's a lot of new faces. It's a new quarterback who, you know, it's been mixed for Clifford so far, but he also hasn't thrown an interception yet and is averaging 10.4 yards per attempt, um, you know, despite That's the lofty. lack of yeah. deep ball success <laughs> against against Pitt. You know, he took advantage of the Idaho defense for sure, but, you know, I, I think we have seen a lot of good things from Sean Clifford and some predictable, you know, a little bit of sloppiness, a little bit of decision-making questions, but hasn't turned the ball over yet, so that, that's good. Or I think he just jinxed him, man. Well, quite possibly. <laughs> yeah. But everybody's going to throw an interception at some point, so <laughs> it's going it's to happen. happen. Yeah. All right, so let's look at now. So nine games. We talked about Wisconsin. Penn State, fortunately, we can say now, does not play Wisconsin in the regular Really season. lucky break for Penn State in that Because yeah. Wisconsin is starting to look like last year was the fluke and and that they are kind of what they've been for much, much of this decade. Uh, power running team, their quarterback play has been improved, their defense has been good. So, Pencil you know, them in the Big Wisconsin, Ten title game. I picked Iowa as my preseason Big Ten West favorite. I still wouldn't be shocked if Iowa won it, but 
Um, I think Wisconsin's kind of the clear favorite based on what they've done so far this year, how they've looked. Yeah. But again, Penn State will only see Wisconsin if they get to the Big Ten title game. And if they get there, you'd think they'd match up pretty well because getting there would mean they won the Big Ten East and are really good. So the things start this week with Maryland on Friday. I think let's go through, just run through quickly each game here. And definite win, probable win, probable loss, definite loss. Let's tag each of these games. Okay. What do you think for Maryland? Probable and win. We will preview them more on Thursday, but yeah. briefly. I mean, probable I, win. Probable win. You know, Penn State coming off the bye week. You have to wonder, can they get out to a fast start? All these questions that we brought up about the pass rush. And again, I mean, Mer- we've seen Maryland kind of be this hot, cold type of team. A um, lot of familiarity on both sides between a lot of these players and that kind of thing. So I think... This is a game Maryland certainly gets up for. I know, Matt, the number was floating around out there a week or two ago about the number of student ticket requests that Maryland had, yeah. and I guess they like exceeded their number. Um, so That was before they lost to Temple, but right. I'm sure people are still going to be charged up. So, for yeah, game. so I'm thinking pretty good atmosphere, but it should be a probable win for Penn State. Uh, but again, Maryland also has on. some offensive line questions, which we can get into later this week, mm-hmm. but that was something that really showed up against Temple and you know, should play into Penn State's favor if the defensive front plays like we think it's capable of playing. Yeah, I mean, and plus, like we said, I mean, somebody on this Penn State offense, and it might be Ricky Slade, I I think somebody is going to kind of pop out of nowhere to have a really big game, and I just think that Slade could be a candidate for it because this is a guy who now has been surpassed on the depth chart with Journey Brown getting that start uh, ahead of the bye week, and I just think that you can't... I know a lot of people kind of want to dismiss Slate at this point, and I get it, the numbers aren't there, but I keep going back to him. There was a reason this guy was on top of the depth chart all spring and all summer, um, and I just think that maybe he has a breakout game, kind of builds some confidence. But I don't want to give away the Thursday show, so I'll stop myself right there. All right, homecoming, October 5th. They welcome Purdue in with the noon kickoff. What do we think? That's a win. You you gotta you gotta win that one, right, Matt? I mean, there's nothing that I. Yeah, I think it's a high likelihood. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to completely dismiss Purdue because you know I very much respect Jeff Brom and and what he's done at Purdue and what he's capable of doing. We know, you know, Purdue has not looked great this year. They have not run the ball well. Uh, you know, they they got shut down by TCU, who the next week lost to SMU. Um, Purdue also lost. Uh, at Nevada on that long field goal at the opener. But, you know, they also lost some games early last year and then blew out Ohio State. So, you know, a good That's offensive true. coaching staff. They do figure things out. But I, I just – I don't – I think maybe next year is the year that Purdue takes a step up. So I think at home I'm pretty comfortable uh, picking a Penn State win. And for the record, looking at ESPN's F- FPI predictions, Purdue-Penn State has a 94.5% chance of winning that game, according to ESPN's wow. FPI, which is the second highest percent for the rest of the year. So I, I would lean toward almost a definite win there. What's the noon traffic forecast say, though, Matt? What are, what are they predicting well, on that? Well, they have a lot of time to figure things out. So <laughs> hopefully they do for all of our uh, listeners who might have gotten stuck on Atherton Street before the pitch. Yeah, hey, but if you get stuck next time and you need something to listen to, you can gladly turn on Dear Old State and we will help ease your drive to the stadium. So what do we think? Okay, October 12th, last time they went to Iowa, they win on a walk-off touchdown. They have had some success against Iowa in recent years after the Paterno era. It was like their Achilles heel was Iowa games. So what do we think at Iowa October 12th? I think that's going to be a loss for the Nittany Lions, Matt, and like I said at the beginning of the show, I went 8-4 and four in the preseason, and 
was like, eh, maybe nine and three. I'll go eight and four. I, I mean, you look at all these games against Penn State and Iowa, especially in recent memory. They've come down to the wire. You have to think too that that likely is going to be a night game at Kinnick Stadium which is an incredible atmosphere without being a night game, but you make it a night game, it just kicks everything up a notch. Um, that's going to be a tough, really tough game for Penn State. If it was in Beaver Stadium, Matt, maybe I'd swing the other way on it a little bit, but I think that's a game that Iowa has to have. Um, and for Interesting spot, yeah. too. It's the week before Penn State welcomes Michigan in, and it's the week after Iowa hosts Michigan. So uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> there's a good chance they're both undefeated if Iowa goes to Ann Arbor and wins, which – Probably a good, decent chance, but, you know, again, yeah. Michigan's talented. We can't, you know, guarantee Don't write them off, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I would lean toward probable loss for at the Iowa game if, if I had to lean because, again, I, you know, my preseason prediction was 9-3. and three. I'd probably still lean that way. And of the games left, that's probably the second highest chance of a loss, I would say. Yes. For the record, uh, ESPN FPI says 61.7% chance of a win for Penn State. Ooh, but okay. they're also pretty, you know, the, those numbers are pretty high on Penn State right now. So we'll see. I would lean toward loss of, of the remaining games, but it's probably more of a toss-up. But I would lean loss. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Uh, October 19th against Michigan. What do, I think our perception of this game is, I, I still, I think I predicted Penn State to win this game in the preseason, but I thought Michigan was going to be better which yeah. makes me lean to our probable win in the, in this one. I'm with you in the probable win category for Penn State. Um, I, if Michigan was going to be what we what we thought they were instead of being Michigan, um, then I would have been been picking Michigan on this one. Even though, like I mentioned, picking against Penn State in a whiteout is pretty insane. But yeah, the way they've looked, I, you, I just you can't dismiss that. Yes, Penn State hasn't looked like a world beater at at points through non conference play, but Michigan had the higher expectations. Their offense looks like it's an absolute disaster. Uh, yeah, I, that one. And again, Matt, we don't know what time that game is going to start at. That's going to be yep. the other thing to keep an eye on. I know a lot of fans are interested in that. I've had a lot of people ask me what time is that game. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see what they do with the whiteout start time. But, yeah, I'm leaning toward Penn State getting that win. And I think, Matt, I'm going to go back to the scene at the end of the game last year on the sideline. I remember looking down from the press box at the big house and seeing KJ Hamler um, just fuming on the sideline. I mean, he, this was horrendous night for Penn State. He was frustrated. Trace McSorley kind of put his arm around him, tried to calm him down. Uh, that's a game where Hamler certainly, he probably won't say it, but he wants revenge. Uh, you know, he's a guy yes. uh, from Pontiac, Michigan. means a heck of a lot to him. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But, yeah, I'm putting that in the probable win category for Penn State. The next week they go to Michigan State, which has been a problematic team for the Oof, Lions. Yeah. At least it doesn't happen after the Ohio State game this year because that's been <laughs> the letdown the, the last two years. But it happens after the Michigan game. So uh, what do we think at Michigan State October 26th? Well, I'm just hoping there's not an 8 million hour rain and lightning delay this time, Matt. Um, yes. That's a, that's a big hope. I think, and this was to me before the season was kind of one of those toss-up games. Yeah, but, I think it still is. <laughs> I mean, it, it could be. Um, I, we got to give this Penn State offense a little bit more time to see what they are. I mean, right now, I think Penn State, if if the offense gets clicking, if this these defensive ends look like how we think they're going to look, 
um, then it could be a win for Penn State. But man, they just have not played Michigan State well. And I think you it's, it's going it, to be a, it, it, yeah. It's Michigan State's defense is mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, uh, and it's a very imbalanced team because their offense, although they did play well against Northwestern, they also scored seven points against Arizona State and lost ten to seven at home. Arizona State the next week goes out and loses to Colorado at home. Uh, you know, so Michigan State is their defense is spectacular, and it's going to give Penn State problems. It's going to give everybody they play problems. You know, they're top three in yards per play right now nationally: Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan State's run defense in particular. So they can definitely cause problems, and I can see that just being a game that comes down to who makes fewer mistakes. It's like a, almost a classic Big Ten type of game. Yeah, that's. Matt, if we have a toss-up category, uh, <laughs> I'd like to nominate that game for that for such well, a Well, I've been giving these percentages, and ESPN FPI has that as 49.4% for Penn State. So it basically wow. so that Okay, so, that, so that's probably the closest, then, of all the percentages, right? That's probably the one that's the, the closest to 50-50? Yes, okay. correct. I disagree with that in that I think, I think Iowa is a tougher Better game than yeah. Michigan State right now. But, I, you know, Michigan State could certainly end up being better than Iowa. So I don't, you know, completely doubt that. So I, I think they lose at least one of the Iowa and Michigan mm-hmm. State road games. I don't. I do not think they get through that three-game stretch, winning all those games, and are undefeated going into the second off week. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think Iowa. I would lean toward Iowa as the loss more than Michigan State. But I think it's certainly possible they lose both of those. Especially if I'm still calling nine and three, then they probably will lose both of those if, if that's the record. Yeah. Well, hey, Matt, eight and four. I've got a. I've got a pack on the losses somewhere. <laughs> So they're off November 2nd. Then they're at Minnesota, which we viewed as a trap game coming into the year. Minnesota is 3-0, and and they're one of the few undefeated teams that are not ranked right now. But it's been a weird 3-0. Yeah. They beat, they were trail, they've been trailing, I believe, in the fourth quarter of all three games. They beat South Dakota State 28-21, Fresno State 38-35, and Georgia Southern 35-32. So it's three wins against, you know, Fresno State and Georgia Southern were, you know, good a group of five teams last year. South Dakota State's a good FCS team, but three non-Power 5 teams, they've won by a total of 13 points. So Definitely winning I ugly. Think, <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling, you know, I, I, I've i always thought, you know, it's been a likely win for Penn State. I just thought it was a trap game. Uh, yeah. I, I think I'd probably lean a little bit more toward Penn State, but again, it's not like Penn State's been, was overly impressive the first three games. So I still think it's a danger spot, but coming off the off week, I think it's still a probable Penn State win. Yeah, that was – I remember when we talked about this in August, Matt, and that was kind of the one game where it was like, oh, you know, a trap game, potential, um, all these kinds of things. But, yeah, I think you're right on that. I, I would lean toward a Penn State probable win there right now. Uh, but, again, you're going on the road with a young team. Uh, and they could PJ get better Flack, over the course knows? of the season too. Yeah, you know, they yep. played a lot of young guys last year, Minnesota, and – you know, even though they brought back most of their starters, they're still actually kind of a young team. It's a lot of sophomores that they're leaning on. So, you know, and, and say what you will about P.J. Fleck, but, you know, the guy got, you know, took Western Michigan to the Cotton Bowl. Mm-hmm. I think Minnesota's improving. So it is a tricky potential game there for sure, depending on Penn State. How You know, depending on what Penn State does over the next, you know, six weeks, uh, it could be a very tricky game. We'll see. So the week after that, they host Indiana, which I think we're both going to agree is a win. very probable win. I would say it, it's a definite win to me. Um, Indiana, you know, they're a team that frequently like threatens to upset teams, but doesn't actually do it. Uh, we've seen that happen with Penn State recently. Um, but Ohio State this year, they lost 51 to 10. 
They haven't played anybody else, so we'll see. They play Michigan State uh, this week. But I, I don't think Indiana's coming into Beaver Stadium and winning. No, don't see it. I, I don't – yeah, something crazy would have to happen, Matt. But, hey, we've we've seen strange things happen. But, yeah, I – is what's the percentage on that one? ESPN FPI has Penn State at 89.4% to win Here against Indiana. So November 23rd at Ohio State, not surprisingly, FPI has Penn State at 20.6%, by far the lowest chance to win. Ohio State has not played a Power 5 – or they played Indiana. They didn't play a Power 5 non-conference game. They did play Cincinnati and shut them out. Cincinnati is a pretty yeah. good team. So for now, Ohio State is looking like every bid playoff team as we could have thought. Justin Fields has been very, very good. Their defense has been better. We know it's going to be, we know it's the toughest game of the year. We thought, you know, the timing could help because Penn State has, you know, almost the whole season to prepare for this game and to get better on offense. But I'm, I don't think it's a definite loss because, again, Penn State could end up being a top 10 team. We don't know. But it's certainly a probable loss. Yeah. I mean, Justin Fields has certainly looked the part there. And I mean, you go back to Matt. <laughs> oh, boy. This is, this here's a hypothetical for you. But I mean, you remember that point when, Penn State had the verbal commitment from Justin Fields, and it feels like it was forever ago, and it yes. was kind of the one that never really made a whole heck of a lot of sense because here's a kid from Atlanta who's playing on Cam Newton's 7-on-7 seven seven team and just kind of showed up to camp here on a whim. and picks Of course, up now offer. he's in the Big Ten anyway. <laughs> yeah, and, and now, you know, I mean, it's just, it's kind of not funny, but kind of weird how some of these things work out, and, For you sure. know, it, it's going to be that, I mean, I go back to a few years ago when it was, Barkley on one sideline and Ezekiel Elliott on the other. And I remember leaving that game that night and being like, man, obviously both of these backs are insanely talented. We knew that. But at that point, Barkley looked like the better running back on that night. And, yeah. you know, it's it, there's going to be tons of potential uh, NFL stars on both of these teams when you look at that, that game. But with it being later in the year, it also gives Ohio State a chance to potentially hit that other gear um, that they've certainly shown flashes of hitting. So, yeah, I, I would go I had a little bit Ohio of skepticism State. from Ohio State just because we didn't really know what field was going to be yet. Mm-hmm. And we, we still don't necessarily know. You know, they, well, they they still need to get to tougher games. They they do play Wisconsin in the regular season, which will be certainly a big, a big one. That is what I think most people assume would be the Big Ten title game right now. Yeah. But, you know, again, hey, 2016, uh, at this point in the year, you would have been, you know, fired for saying that Penn State was going to win the Big Ten title. Yeah. So, um, you never know how a season's going to play out. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think obviously Penn State has problems in Columbus. Everybody has problems in Columbus. I would – of, of the games remaining, certainly that is the toughest because Ohio State looks like a playoff team to me. I agree with you, Matt. I mean, I think that's that's the one where I was leaning Ohio State from before the season started, and I'm still feeling the same way about that. Um, if anything, my – prediction for Ohio State is only strengthened but again long season still to play out well okay so let's get to the one that everybody wants us to hear talk oh yeah uh, Terrace talk about is Rutgers on November 30th the huge rivalry wow uh Penn State's gonna win (laughs) yeah (laughs) happy senior day and uh welcome to town Rutgers and then you just kind of can I can envision the balloons just kind of fizzling and the crowd with whatever you get, you know, I guess, I guess the game would be, yeah, a couple days after Thanksgiving. Um, Which is always like a half-filled student section. Yeah, so. few students, um, but really, Rutgers man. lost 30 to nothing to Iowa, and they just lost 30 to 16 to Boston College, which doesn't sound that bad. Rutgers losing by 14 to an ACC team. But the previous week, Boston College got blown out at home by Kansas. So, um, Ouch. Penn State's going to beat Rutgers, uh, you know. 
FPI says 97.9% chance, <laughs> which is the highest percentage. And I would agree with that. Penn State is not losing to Rutgers on its home field. Matt, have you gone as far? I have not. But have you gone as far as to make a bowl prediction for the Nittany Lions? Have you tried to tell me where I might be spending New Year's? Or Well, I, I it's like the most likely situation based on you know, what this team is going to be would probably be like the Citrus Bowl, but I don't know if they're going to end up going back there. Um, You know, I could see maybe it's California. Maybe it's the Holiday Bowl. Uh, I like like California. I don't know. You know, the way things have shaken out, like I have Penn State, um, I think 12th on my AP ballot. And it's not just because of what Penn State has done. It's because of, you know, what other teams have done. And so I, I think based on the way... Like, I still think Penn State's a 9-3 and team. But, you know, with Michigan being down, Michigan State's offense, I still have huge concerns about. I don't think 10-2 and is impossible, even if Penn State's not significantly better than last year. Because last year's team was also very close to being a 10-2 and type team. Um, so, I I don't think you can rule out the New Year's Six. You know, the Orange Bowl could have a Big Ten spot. Um, I, and the Cotton Bowl will have a, a an at-large bid. So... I don't think I'm not going to predict that yet, but I think it's certainly possible. And based on where they, I have them in the rankings, um, I, I don't think we can roll that out. You know, and I think kind of as, as a whole that Stu, Bruce and Andy Staples had been higher on Penn State than we were, uh, I think, all along. So I'm curious to to kind of talk to them and and just see where maybe where they reset things, Matt, because I know um, they were they were pretty high on them. And yeah. I just it's me and you are kind of like in the. I mean, I'm the eight and four. You're the nine and three. But I wonder how their how their brains maybe have changed things, uh, or maybe not. I mean, right now I have Penn State third in the Big Ten behind Penn State, or sorry, behind Ohio State and Wisconsin. I had okay. them third in the Big Ten coming into the year behind Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, you know, again, we'll see how Michigan evolves over the course of the year. You know, hey, 2007, Michigan lost to App State and then beat Penn State, and everybody was very very mad at that game a few <laughs> weeks later. So you never know. Yeah, I mean, hey, Matt, it's it's always a good time to reset the pitcher. I think the expectations are still the same. You know, the good news for Penn State is that, again, they're 3-0. and So everything that they wanted to accomplish is still exactly. out in front of them. Uh, so they're certainly in a, in a favorable spot. And like we said, we're, we're not sitting here with the Magic 8-ball, being able to make these projections, but... We'll see. Penn State is very much a wild card in the Big Ten they right are. now still. Because we, we learned some. I don't think we learned a ton, honestly, the first three games. We've had plenty of plenty of available content in the first three weeks to talk about all these debates. But I don't think we've learned what Penn State is going to be this year. So I, if yeah. everything clicks, Penn State can win the Big Ten. But I, I think that's, you know, it's a long shot right now, given what Ohio State looks like. Given what Wisconsin looks like. Uh, there's certainly those two teams right now are ahead of Penn State. But... You know, things change, and that's sometimes something we overlook in college football seasons is that September does not necessarily resemble November. So we'll see how Penn State evolves because that you know, three-game stretch against Iowa away, against Michigan at home, and at Michigan State is, is going to tell us yeah. a lot. That, that's that's, where that's, the that's season still is the crucial around. stretch of the season to see what the the goals what, what the goals for the season are. We will know after that three-game stretch what's possible. I agree. And, Matt, we will uh, be back Thursday, right? Back to our, our scheduled program. Yes. This was our wonderful For Everybody, Free For Everybody podcast. Uh, so please subscribe, rate, review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. But we will be back for subscribers only on Thursday at The Athletic. So if you do not subscribe already, please do. It is also our wonderful Food Blitz week. There's a lot of 
college football food-related stories up at The Athletic, and Audrey will have one up by the end of the week. So look for that. Uh, so that's it. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at MattBrownCFB. Audrey is at AUDSnyder4. We will be back Thursday previewing Penn State, Maryland. Thanks for listening. Hey there, listeners. We are excited to share some big news. Our team here at The Athletic and our friends at Wondery just launched a brand new daily sports show called The Lead that we know you're going to love. The Lead is the first daily sports news podcast that will cover everything from the world stage to the hometown. With the help of The Athletic's more than 400 sports writers and editors, co-hosts Kavitha Davidson and Anders Kelto will bring you sports news up close and personal each weekday morning. You're about to hear a preview of The Lead. Subscribe to The Lead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss an episode. There's also a link in the episode notes that will take you there. Check out theathletic.com slash the lead to read stories featured on the lead. You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. But what do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. That's the buzzer. Oh, he knocks it down. Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score, five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you the lead premieres September 16th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The lead. Sports up close. Hey, hey, I need some more of that.